When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On Thursdays, we study the past to see what lessons there are in history as they apply to the now. It's uncanny how current topics are flavoured by what's happened in the past. The ticker tape parade chat really got going last week. Shannon Gill is our man who knows his history. Shannon, lovely to see you. Good to see you again, Jared. All right. So this week has been heavily flavoured by the farewell tour in cricket, the farewell series. And how do great Australian test careers come to a close? Because there hasn't been a whole lot of misty-eyed in the past around this sort of thing. Yeah, I think we're conditioned a little bit to it because we see in football codes that players get farewell games and that sort of thing happens. So we've got this situation with with David Warner who's who marked the calendar very early pre-ashes and said, this is when I want to retire. Now, whether that actually happens is a whole other discussion. But I've went and looked back at Warner-like figures. So those of that sort of status over the years who who actually got to call time on their careers, not that they were dropped or they just got left out of teams, but those that got their chance to say when they were going to finish and how it happened. And there is not many players of the past that have followed, well, have done what Warner's doing today. All right. So the reference point in all of these things always starts with Don Bradman. Well, the Don, the Don has got a bit of Dave Warner about him. So, but but a, but a different a different <laughs> yeah it might be the only bit of <laughs> Dave Warner he's got about him, but uh, in 1948 the Invincibles tour the famous Invincibles tour, Bradman was tossing up whether he should tour. Now this is a different era where uh, everyone was begging for Bradman to go both in Australia and in England because Bradman comes to your ground, you're going to pack it out. So a little bit different, but he indicated ahead of that Ashes tour that this would be his last tour and ends up being his last um, phase of, of big time cricket, which, you know, as we look back, the team was not beaten on for the entire tour. So it sounds, it sounds like a resounding success. Having said that, there is a little bit more devil to the detail of that, that Bradman Invincibles tour. Um, I'm not sure if you've read the Malcolm Knox book, Bradman's War. It was, came out about 10 or so years ago. Basically, it looks at the fact that Bradman was very, very ruthless in wanting to win every match, sort of like a, a revenge for the Bodyline series from years before. And in 1948, you've got England, you know, pretty much just coming off a war. So it was not necessarily popular with players from either 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 side the way that he undertook that tour. So 
yes, it was a, a farewell tour of sorts, but um, maybe at the time it was not necessarily something that, that endeared Bradman to everyone. Do you, uh, I'm asking questions I didn't ask in advance. How did he go during that? Uh, he, he, he played well. He made runs, but everyone made runs. Yeah. It was one of, it was a very one-sided series. So he, he, he did what, he was never in any threat of being um, not worthy of a place in the team. Uh, so, so from a, from a form perspective, it was fine. So this, this does make it a little bit different to the Warner situation. Yeah. So 508 runs across five tests at 72 and a half. Yeah. You'd take centuries. that, wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 That's a reasonable. Below well. par for Bradman. Yeah. But, but yeah, but a, a certain awkwardness around that tour. Yeah. Richie Benno. Richie, Richie had a farewell tour of sorts. He, he foreshadowed that one at the 63, 64 summer would be his last um, it didn't, it didn't really pan out to be a, a triumphant one though, because he, there was the Ian Meckiff throwing controversy in the first test, which he was, you know, sort of half implicated in whether he really was or, or wasn't. Then he got injured. And then by the third or fourth test, um, Bob Simpson had, had deputized for him as captain and, and Benno basically said, I'll play, but I'll, I'll happily um, hand the captaincy over to Bob Simpson. Didn't have a great series, so sort of went out with, um, didn't go out with a bang as such. So the last lap, but no fairy tale yeah. associated with yeah. it. Ian Chappell? Ian Chappell, he, he retired before World Series cricket, was coaxed back to playing World Series cricket, and then stayed on for one more season post-World Series cricket. Um, but again, he retired pretty much... Um, quietly at the, at the end of the summer, no farewell test, no farewell, um, spectacle. Just into the abyss. It's <laughs> <laughs> sort of very, very Ian Chapel way <coughs> to finish it all off at the, it's almost the cautionary tale. So it's probably <coughs> the biggest single celebration retirement, but almost the cautionary tale of what to avoid is Greg Chapel, Dennis Lilly and Rod Marsh all departing the scene together. Yeah. And that, that, caused a, a, an era for cricket where uh, our our performances were quite low because we lost three major figures at the one time. They retired together, but they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> in that, in that d during their last test, uh, uh, Chappell announces his retirement on the night of day two. The next morning, Lily announces his retirement. Then Rod Marsh um, was... Thought to have been retiring, but never made it clear. And then after the one day series later in the summer, he retires. So they did play their last test together, but it wasn't, I suppose, a staged farewell like we've seen other times. Yep. So not the ceremonial lap of honor mm. and the, the crowds all coming together. There were sort of moments of that and echoes of that, but three greats of the same generation. So when the talk is you don't want to lose the cluster mm. of players together, it, it references that moment. Yeah, yeah, that is that is the moment. Now, we might be heading for one of those pretty soon. Not yeah. quite in the one test match, but we, we saw it later on with Warren, McGrath and Langer. But a slightly different situation in that um, they were, you know, it was it was prepared for a while about what was happening with that situation. Right. There wasn't much ceremony around Alan Border's departure. Now, if there is a figure that we might have carried off on shoulders, it would have been Alan Border, but what was batting out a drawer <laughs> in the middle of the night. Exactly. Alan Border is a, an interesting one. I, I think I remember back to that the last summer he played in Australia, and we all thought it was going to be his last summer. 
but he never said it. So we didn't get the chance to actually farewell him. His, his retirement was a bit of a, a bit of a botched job in that, uh, he ended up making, making the call to retire on the, on the, on the golf course with, uh, Queensland breakfast host, Paddy Welsh, um, without doing the, the proper press conference. So <laughs> again, we didn't get a chance to actually do the lap of honor and farewell. Um, but the theme, I, I suppose that theme is coming through of the, the, the team being bigger than the individual through that era. How did David Boone mm. depart the scene? David Boone, uh, he, form was waning. He scored one last century at the MCG when under pressure to lo- to actually keep his spot. And it was almost like once he had done that, he decided, well, now it's time to go. Before the next test, he announces his retirement. So it's a farewell as such, but it's not a farewell lap of honour like where we might see this summer. Yeah. So uh, accepting the circumstances mm. and bowing out then. Mark Taylor? Yeah, Tubby, a different one. If you remember, there was all that pressure on Mark Taylor to give the captaincy away or retire back in uh, around 96, 97 when he couldn't make a run. But he got through that and he ends up having a pretty good finish to his career. If you remember, he made a a triple ton in Pakistan. He comes home and then wins an Ashes series as captain. He's then named Australian of the Year. (laughs) And then a week later decides, that'll do me. No more tests, no farewell, no nothing. Um, but it's probably the most elegant way to step out, having just been named Australian of the Year. <laughs> Good mic drop, you think? Oh, perfect. Uh, if there's a, a case study of ruthlessness, it's always the Ian Healy scenario. This is what we, we always come back to. Ian Healy had been dropped out of the one-day side, which was usually a, a, a pretty good sign that your, your test career was limited. Um, and obviously there was a guy called Adam Gilchrist waiting in the wings, um, which we know how that turns out. But he goes into a, into a summer, still not completely sure whether he's going to go on or not. He thinks he'll probably retire, but he'd love to, the chance to say farewell and play one last test. The Gabba, his home ground, is the first test of the summer. What do the selectors say? No. <laughs> so Ian Healy retires before, uh, in the weeks ahead of, the first test for summer doesn't get a farewell, which is again, you know, I think things are different now uh, and we're seeing it. And and the next, so the, the difference between Ian Healy and Steve Waugh is the two possibilities in the Warner mm. scenario that the selectors make the choice right now to forge on with the future. And despite Warner's desire to play three more test matches and finish in Sydney, you go, well, no, the, the good of the many outweighs the, Good of the few, Gilchrist replaces Healy, and that's acrimonious. Um, so that, and the other way is the, and I, I do, I want to just put the rider on this again. We shouldn't pretend that Dave Warner is Steve Waugh. There's a bit too much of that going around. But Steve Waugh is granted the absolute ceremonial lap of the country, in, which I recall. And, and so there's a bit of rose-colored glasses about this. Some of it works, and some of it is just awkward and silly. Exactly. And I think, I think you mentioned it earlier in the week that there is a little, in some memories, that hundred he made against England is his last test. That famous hundred he makes in a session, um, under back against the wall, under pressure, comes out, makes the hundred. No, that was the season before. So it, it was a bit awkward and it was a little bit grating because Australia didn't have a great summer. 
we'd been dominant and we finished that summer against India one all. India made a stack of runs. It wasn't his greatest captaincy series at all. He didn't have Warren and McGrath at his disposal. So I think, you know, a little bit of skin was taken off Steve Waugh through that summer. Yes, he gets chaired off, but there were moments where I think it became bigger than the team. Definitely. So I remember uh, going to the MCG that the test must, it, it might've finished on day early on day four or early on day five. I took my nephew down and the whole point was to see the Steve Waugh lap of honor, mm. but it did get, that did overwhelm what the natural course of a summer would be. And, and then I guess if you're, uh, does anyone still have their red hanky that was given away with the papers? <laughs> I've seen some on, on eBay. Right. Funny. Do you think, do you, yeah, as I know, I said that there's a note of caution. Do you think there's a note of caution in trying to orchestrate that ceremonial departure I, as learnt in the Steve War example? I think there is. And, and, and it's probably more dangerous this time around. Cause remember Steve War was captain in all, if with everything else, you could make the argument from Steve War's perspective that a farewell tour actually gives you time to bed down a new captain if you are not completely certain or sold on things. David Warner is not captain. Um, the, the issue, which we might talk about later, is that there's not necessarily a logical replacement for him, and that's played in his favour. So I think that's, that's part of it. Um, but if we get halfway through this series and things aren't going well, which we don't think will happen because we see this is a... Um, a series that Australia will probably win quite, quite handsomely. But what does that do for the David Warner reputation? I think with Steve War, and not everyone will agree with this, but his critics, and I'm thinking of people like Shane Warne and Ian Chappell, that last summer played into the narrative of Steve War as a sort of singular, as they call it, selfish figure. Now that, is not a million miles from what some people's perception of David Warner is. So that is, I think, an issue that we might we might encounter this summer. We're learning from the past how great Australian test careers come to a close through history. More with Shannon after Nathan in the newsroom. Nathan, thank you. Shannon, run us through the exodus of 0607, Warren McGrath Langer Martin. Yeah, it's an interesting one because Martin, if you remember, Damien Martin retires, completely shocked everyone before the Perth test, um, which was, I think, the third test of that series. Third test of that series, yes. And so he retires then, and then the more staged farewell, once the ashes were retained, Warren retires, uh, I think, five days out from the Boxing Day test. Two days later, McGrath does the same thing, and that will happen at the end of the series. Now, obviously, that gave him two farewell tests, which is a little bit more than what we usually see, but they were performing well. The team was doing well. It was, uh, it was, it was not at the start of a series. And then in between the Melbourne and Sydney test, Justin Langer makes his decision to retire. So that gives us that sort of iconic moment of the three greats going at once, like um, Chapel, Marsh and Lily. But it was not, again, it was not a um, orchestrated farewell in the sense of what we're seeing now. Yeah, it was far more organic and in a mm. couple of cases, absolutely abrupt. Adam Gilchrist, how did he take his final bow? Gilly was a situation where he, he 
2007, 2008, he drops a catch on day one of the last test against India and thinks, I think I'm done. The next day he breaks the world keeping dismissals record, which is day two. The end of day three, he says, I'll be finished at the end of this test. So great way to go. There is not, it's a little bit like the Stuart Broad situation this year. I remember when, when Stuart, when it happened with Stuart Broad, some people were very shocked that that's the way it would go. But this has been done a lot over the years in the middle of a test match they go, which I get the clean break kind of aspect of it. And he finishes his career at 97 tests. Yeah. Which so, gives you a, that, that is a, a selfless decision. Absolutely. Yeah. Matthew Hayden. Uh, Hayden, a little bit different. His form was waning and the, the jungle drums were beating on Hayden for quite some time. But again, there was a little bit of selflessness here in that he retires at the end of a test summer. Um, Ponting, uh, Australia are playing a T20 game the day he retires. Ponting goes to him and says, I'll stand down and you can play your farewell game at the Gabba for Australia. Yes, in a T20 game um, to say goodbye. Hayden declines and says no, and just does the lap of honour. Classy. Mm. Ricky Ponting, who with a half laugh will say, I, I played two years too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, Ponting did a similar thing. So yes, there is the uh, the notion that he, yeah, he, he went on too long after he gave away the captaincy. But even when he decided to retire, there was a bit of a push from Cricket Australia to say to him, um, so the, the, the Perth test was coming up and that would be his last. There was a bit of a push from Cricket Australia to say, hey, why don't you hang around? Because we're playing in Tassie, the following test. So play two more tests. You'll get a home farewell. We'll really make it something. And that would have seen him pass Steve War's record for the most tests for Australia. What does Ricky say? Thanks, but no thanks. I'll just go out after this test. Yep. Michael Clark. It's a bit prolonged from memory, wasn't it? Well, Clark was a, is a different thing. There was the, there was the will he, won't he through a summer when he was injured and then he went to the ashes. Um, and after four tests of the ashes, once the ashes was lost, he gave it away with one test to go. So I was going to say, Michael Clark's not necessarily known for reading the public temperature on things, but I think this is the one time he did. He saw that the, the writing was on the wall. He plays one test. There was not, there was a little bit of a farewell, but not the, the sort that, you know, we may, we may see at other times. And I think my favorite one was Mitch Johnson ended up bowling on a whacker pitch so bad, so banner friendly that halfway through the test, he decided that's enough for me. That's the, uh, it's my favorite too. Yeah. As Ross Taylor makes, 290. Ridiculous. Um, Mitchell Johnson said, yes, no, that will do. Um, and that was, I think, the, the second test of the series. That was so funny. I was broadcasting that match. <coughs> yep. It, it did it to all of us. Yes. <laughs> Just, <laughs> we left our souls there. That, that, that test will go down as history as the most boring test match, but lots of legacies. Uh, right. The conclusions in a moment. What, what, does, what does that tell us? For the Warner farewell with Shannon Gill in a moment. This is Waitley for Hyundai. The Hyundai 2023 SUV event is on now and Host Plus. Shannon Gill has catalogued how the final bow was taken in all sorts of different ways, the greats of Australian Test crickets. What are the lessons of history as we ponder well, the Warner farewell? I think the lessons are that the only the only players that got an eling, elongated farewell were skippers. Bradman, War. Uh, and Benno. And as the, we've discussed, the lesson of Steve Waugh is that wasn't necessarily the right thing to do. 
So now we're in a situation where we have someone who's not captain and someone who has flagged the retirement, not one series out, two series out. So this is a long lead time. And we're now sitting here in a situation where I think he's going to get it. He's going to get what he wants. So well played Dave Warner, but, uh, is it the right thing for Australian cricket? And is it the right thing for the way we perceive or, or the public perceives Australian cricket? I'm not sure. And I'm also, you know, and I think this, if there was a couple of young openers really knocking down the door, would we be seeing this situation? I don't think we would. I, I had a look at the shield run scoring table at the moment, um, before this round of shield cricket, only two of the top 10 run scorers are under 30. Compare the, that with 30 years ago. I went back and looked at 30 years ago. The top eight run scorers in shield cricket in 93-94 were all younger than the, the youngest top 10 run scorer this year. So um, Langer, Hayden, Ponting, Hodge, Bevan, etc., etc., Lehman, all were leading the run scoring charts and were ready to roll. We don't have that now and that, I think, is ultimately allowing the David Warner farewell tour. And in this shield round, which is a tough time for batters mm. right around the country, so Renshaw 37 and his one time at the crease so far, Bancroft 7 and Harris the double failure, 3 and 6, to sort of emphasise the point. Cam yeah. Green has just got to the crease for Western Australia who are 3 for 36. Um, so I think the lesson of history was that had Warner said nothing and they'd had their quiet conversation in the background, he would have got through the first test and done what has been done historically and mm. go, these are going to be my last two. I'll be, I'll be finishing up in Sydney. Uh, or what I personally think he should have done was after he made the double hundred, which was the great mm. valedictory innings, one of the great that I've seen, he should have taken his moment to take his final bow at the SCG and he would have got the full yes. treatment, the impromptu full treatment around it. Instead, is there's a debate around whether he's worthy of this place in the team across test figures for two years. This is mm. not just what's just happened. And he was 11 of 11 of the specialist batters yeah. who played the five tests at the Ashes. And then whether you're holding back history. Yeah, and even if he makes runs this, this summer, there will be the gnawing feeling that, well, yes, but he didn't in the ashes. So does he really deserve to be there? Yes. Uh, th that's the, pro everyone's going to make runs mm. this summer. Mm. It is, and I said that on Monday, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Pakistan and the West Indies is where are those runs best spent? Yeah. All right. So those are our lessons of history. Um, Botswana butchery is a food lover's paradise, distinctive and welcoming with a stunning and sumptuous menu of classic dishes. I was there last Thursday night. Brilliant. Botswana butchery is at the Paris end of Flinders Lane. It promises a dining experience like no other. It's premium dining, but fun in a plush and vibrant atmosphere. We'd like you to head there, Shannon, as a thank you for all oh. of the history you've shared with us across the year. So a dinner for two. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. So take your best cricket, mate. <laughs> I don't, don't think I'll be doing that. No. No. <laughs> Melbourne.botswanabutchery.com.au. Shannon, a big thank you for all that you've guided us through the year. Lots of people so enjoy reminiscing over what's happened, but also the lessons that are there as they, they flavor our current debates. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, Chief. Have a great summer. See you in the new year. Shannon Gill, know your history. We'll bring Dwayne into the studio Tidy up for the year, two weeks' time.
will be in Perth awaiting the first ball of the test summer. We'll tidy up and send you on your way for Midday Madness next.